Hey everybody, this is Jessica Manley here from the National Young Farmers Coalition. Today we're bringing you episode number three of our six-week Washington Young Farmers Coalition takeover, Farm Resilience and COVID-19 in Washington State, which explores mental health, food access, social justice, and farming through one of the toughest farm seasons yet. Today's show is an interview with farmer Naima Clark. Naima is the executive director slash farm queen at Nurturing Roots, a farm and community garden committed to addressing food justice issues in the Beacon Hill neighborhood in Seattle. If you want to support our Washington chapter and our 45 other chapters across the U.S., become a member of the National Young Farmers Coalition today at youngfarmers.org slash join and sign up for our advocacy network by texting FARMERS to 40649. Just a note, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are those of the individual speaking and not necessarily those of the National Young Farmers Coalition. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast series, Farm Resilience and COVID-19 in Washington State. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm a farmer at Long Hearing Farm and a member of the Washington chapter of the National Young Farmers Coalition. Our farm is a small-scale organic vegetable farm and workers co-op in the foothills of the North Cascades, land that has been loved, managed, and tended to by the Saxawattle, Upper Skagit, and Stiliguamish people since time immemorial. I'm mixed with Amskapi Pikani, Eastern Band Cherokee, Grovan, Swedish, and European American ancestry. Every day on the farm, I am working to integrate indigenous practices with my many years of market gardening experience to feed as many families as we possibly can in the upper Skagit and Stiliguamish valleys. Here's a short story version of how this podcast series came to be. In March, a small core group, including myself, organized the Farm Resilience and COVID-19 in Washington State live webinar. In one day of promotion and massive peer-to-peer outreach, we had over 500 registrants. The webinar gave us a real snapshot of the needs and asks of producers at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. We used the experience of farmers and producers shared in the webinar to shape conversations on issues that are affecting the farming community, food access and mental health. Our podcast episodes will feature Naima Clark from Nurturing Roots, Veroga Vergara from Sweet Hollow Farm. They will share perspectives on food access. Ariana Delenia from Kamayan Farm and Miles Griffin and Amanda Dowdy from Posterity Farm will share their thoughts on mental health. These four farmer to farmer conversations are supported in part by the Washington State Department of Agriculture Regional Markets Program, PCC Farmland Trust and Osborne Seeds. Additional episodes with John Wesley from the Seattle BIPOC Organic Food Bank, who was interviewed by Emma Shore, one of the board members for the Washington Young Farmers Coalition, and Tracy L. Stewart from Gathering Roots deepen our conversations both on food access and mental health. We are grateful to have their perspectives and excited to share them with you. A few notes of gratitude. Veto, Ari, and Emma, thank you for shaping this work. Our collective organizing on the March webinar and all of your creative input has made this project possible and set its course so strongly. We are very grateful to Jenny Asarno for editing our great conversations. They really shine with all of your editing, so thank you so much. 
Our sponsors for the Farmer to Farmer Conversations, Washington State Department of Agriculture Regional Markets Program, thank you for working with us to put resources behind farmer leadership. We'd also like to thank PCC Farmland Trust for supporting our work and for Osborne Seeds who graciously allowed their contributions to our canceled annual mixer to be put toward this project. And patience as we maneuver in the midst of global uprisings for racial justice, pandemic, and the already wild month of June. Thanks to the team at National Young Farmers Coalition for hosting these podcast episodes and sharing the experiences of young farmers in our state. Folks who helped shape the big picture, creative work, but did not end up being recorded should nonetheless be recognized. Thanks to Melanie Edwards, Maureen Dadas, Aaron Leidick, and Ross Kirschenbaum for talking, texting, or emailing their brilliance. I look forward to expanding this work and including you all in the future. Since our chapter is taking a much needed reflection and rest time for the rest of the summer, please reach out to me if you'd like to speak directly about this podcast series. My email is elizabeth at longhearingfarm.org. In our podcast episodes, we reflect on feeding people and working on the land in the midst of global pandemic and the movement for Black lives. We are all being called into anti-racist practice. Throughout this short series, we will touch on everything from police brutality and transformative rage to loneliness and anxiety and so much more. We invite you to take care of your needs before listening, while listening, and as you process these conversations. In the words of my brilliant friend and podcast guest, Vero Vergara of Sweet Hollow Farm, this is a time when many of us are holding on to anxiety, uncertainty, fear, and pain. In the same moment, we also want to name the common threads of farmers being geniuses who are setting forth to persevere with feeding our communities and building innovative, inclusive networks of care and resource distribution, end quote. We are geniuses and we are being called to stretch our genius to create a just and sustainable future now. Our conversations will help guide us to that future. So before we turn to our conversation with Naima, our first podcast episode, here's a few bits of housekeeping. The opinions shared are those of the guests and myself, not Washington Young Farmers Coalition, National Young Farmers Coalition, other affiliated organizations, sponsors, or funders. Any references or information shared is drawn from the guests' own experiences. These experiences may not reflect current regulations or licensing, so we encourage you to seek current information from the appropriate regulatory agency. I am so grateful to everyone who made these conversations possible. Thank you so much for your contributions. And now we'll turn it over to Naima. Well, my name is Naima. I am executive director at Nurturing Roots Farm. I really don't like to call myself executive director. I'd rather say I'm a farm <laughs> queen. There are yes, many farm yes. queens, but I'm the farm queen at Nurturing yes. Roots. And yes, the project is all about sustainable agriculture awareness and identifying how systemic oppression factors in to our neighborhoods, on our plates, in our bodies. Um, but all around food system and then trying to teach food sovereignty to a lot of individuals who are not used to growing food, are not used to harvesting or producing value-added products. But creating more opportunities for the community definitely is what we're up to. 
it is so wonderful and your project is so wonderful. You are truly a gift to the farming community. And thank you. Thank you so much for the work that you do and for joining me on the phone today. Definitely. Thank you for having me. I always love when I can reconnect with folks, especially my farmer friends. I was hoping we could talk a little bit about food access and distribution, especially in this moment of uh, global uprisings for racial justice in the midst of a global pandemic and folks experiencing a lot of scarcity in their day-to-day life. What have you noticed about food access in the community right now? Well, definitely that the, I guess, class systems are alive and well. Um, Mm. But the first thing I noticed was, of course, everyone hoarding everything at the store. So realizing eggs were gone, you know, milk, just different necessities. And it seemed kind of odd that, you know, one, everyone was stockpiling milk um, as an expiration date. But then the idea that, you know, wow, so that means if you can't afford it right now or you're living paycheck to paycheck, you just lost your job and now you're, you know, you're trying to manage your finances a little bit more, you wouldn't be able to stockpile. So there may never be an opportunity for you to have the security that other folks can have. So I think specifically around food, just seeing the prices of things going up, seeing the scarcity at different places, like folks would say they were going to restaurants and they weren't able to get certain cuts of meat or just all kinds of different crazy things that just in a blink of an eye were magnified. So I think that's what I first realized. Um, next, it just came to everyone almost snapping into this survival mode. But there's been mm. so many folks that have reached out to me during the pandemic that have just been so interested. Oh, my gosh, this is my year. I got to do it. Whereas before it was, <laughs> no, no, I'll wait till next year. Like that was the main thing. Now it's just turned into, I got to do it because I don't know when, you know, I don't know when the food would run out or I really need to learn this. It's about time I did it. I have the time now. So there's been many reasons that I've heard, but it's definitely been like a call to action to so many folks. Just food is important and healthy food is even more beneficial to me. So I think that's definitely been what I've noticed. And can you tell folks a little bit about, um, about, and I'm sorry that I'm forgetting the name, but the boxes of plant starts? That, yes. that effort, and like tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. So that definitely spawned out of that need that I, I kept hearing. And then also our need to reach out to community. We're so mm-hmm. used to groups coming out and young people being able to run free on the farm. And just with the lockdown, of course, there was a shortage of all that amazingness. So our Nurturing Your Roots at Home started off as like a platform for us to create content. And then it spawned into actual tangible items that you can take home and learn how to grow on your own while, you know, while watching the the different content or, you know, following along with some YouTube video that you saw. So the idea of just getting folks everything they need, so all the excuses could go out the window. But we started just seed saving, of course, always. So using the seeds that we had, making different seed trays, we reached into communities. So there were some nurseries, um, a few of the pea patch programs that always produce a lot of starts. So it was it was reaching out to them and asking, hey, can we pass these starts along? Some of my gardener um, nursery friends that had extra starts 
And it just went from there. We got some boxes, start seeds and compost, and we were able to give out, uh, honestly, they're still going. I'll just say 250 and stop there. But at least wow. 250 boxes have been given out this season. And I think it's probably about 75%. It was their first time ever growing. So even that was just the impact of that. I didn't even realize how many people would be interested, let alone how many times it would be their first time. But there were so many people that really just had the courage to start up and order a box. So now we have, of course, an influx of folks who are heard about the box <laughs> as retailers that didn't get a chance to sell as much. So, hey, we've got tin plats of, um, of tomato. Do you want some more? And it's like, now I can't get the starts out fast enough. But <laughs> but even seeing that, it's like there's been an outpour of support from the community. So just seeing where folks have just banned arms and really are just encouraging people, hey, you can do it yourself, empower yourself. Our government's falling short like always, so yeah. let's figure it out. So I think that is really what the Veggie Box has done, and then also just getting a lot more attention on our project in general. A lot of people said they never heard about it, but they saw this thing their friend posted about, and here they are. So the paying it forward has been working out with the Veggie Boxes. That is so – that is just 250, like, families that are growing their own food right now. Yes. And I can't wait to release because we did a Google form and did like, is it your first time, your nationality, yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. So I can't wait to release a lot of those numbers, too, because it's really just just hearing the feedback. I asked why they wanted the box. And some mm -hmm. people, it was my grandmother used to do it with me and I haven't yeah. thought to do it since. Or I mean, it was just the love. A lot of times you fill out yeah. forms and you don't to put your love in it. And you just it's it was true. just one of those forms. It was just a joy to read just to see all the experiences. Oh potentially, you know, come out of this. Really cool. Ugh, I love it. <laughs> it's like the superhero totally changed this year. Went to medical professionals and farmers. We turned into right? the new yeah. celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting any feedback from folks who have um who have a nurturing your roots at home box that they've Yeah. Yeah, we get pictures, which I'm I'm terrible. I need to get way better at my social media for anyone that was listening to this. <laughs> no, it's no. difficult, but we're working on getting more um, interns so that we can get support with that. But yes, we've been getting photos and paragraph stories, and um, you know, even seeing people reference the, the their plants as their babies. My babies look good today. Like just seeing, <laughs> you know, that response is so. So amazing because a lot of those folks, like I said, they were not the ones growing. Or one guy yeah. asked me about, you know, how come my plants are not, are they getting eaten? So I said, there could be a few things. Um, and so I gave him some suggestions. He consulted with his mom and his mom said, sprinkle some coffee beans around. So then he comes mm -hmm. back and he's like, yeah, I sprinkle coffee and it works. But just to tell me that, I'm thinking, right. The exchange of information, bouncing off of folks, being able to learn from the folks that are exposed to the box. So there's been yeah. tons of amazingness, I think, out of those boxes. But definitely people have been following along, and they're so excited to share their stories. They're so excited. Look at what it's doing right now. I did I did what you said, and it's working. So yeah, <laughs> there's been a great re re reception excuse me, from those. Growing your own food is, on the one hand, like you are creating your own food access and on the other hand i'm hearing folks just like 
be inspired to have moments of joy in this really hard time is also like a mental health practice. Seriously. Yeah, I know that for us too at Nurturing Roots, I encourage folks once they come, because we've, of course, been shouting out that we have volunteer opportunities available. And so yeah. folks come out and then they're, okay, well, do I have to sign up? What's the structure? And it's like, literally, I want you to be able to come and heal. What would you do yeah. if you decided to place in solitude and you just needed a break? Like, that's when I want you to come to Nurturing Roots. Like, I don't need to be here even. I know my physical probably doesn't want to hear that, but... I would love for folks to go to the farm. I'm not there. Go enjoy the space. The chickens, you know, always love company. So I think yeah. even that point of just being able to see it as a healing space, as a restaurant, as a learning environment. Like, it's not farm with a cow. Like, most people think move farm. So <laughs> I'm just glad that being in the city, we, we also get to have that kind of element that it's really close. You don't have to. You know, it's a whole day to decide if you're going, but just come for a second and you feel it. Just even if you're there a few moments, you feel it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you um, about any, because you have folks out at the farm quite a bit. And I was wondering if you've taken any extra, if you have any extra practices that you're putting into place. Um, in respect to COVID and community spread? Because I know we've done a few things on our farm, but you have so many folks who want to come and be in the space. What have you done? Yes. So we have, at first, we stopped doing anything. So we yeah. definitely shut yeah. down any um, private events. We typically have farm-to-table dinners and large guests out. So, of course, we've canceled all those. And um, our volunteer days, though, we did add a day. So for mm. us, it was a moment where we could identify, hey, we've got all these folks with free time. If we technically are within the parameters of the stay-at-home order with gardening, yeah. then we should have a free space available. So there That's was a good. lot of hesitancy to even keep doing our volunteer days, but we realized there were so many people interested um, that we had to do it. So initially, we had segments of the farm roped off with caution tape. And it looked like a crime scene, but it did, but it did keep people in different areas. And then you just got the feeling, which I'm sure you know, when you're in a farm, you want to pick something up and go show someone, or it's nice to be within arm distance. So you're talking and pulling yeah. weeds together. So yeah, that's right. I think most of it's gone from the social distance to everyone has a mask on and they're observing each other's face. Um, and then there's so many folks now that. Even the mask, it's like you're seeing that they are working tirelessly with this mask on, sweating, and then they'll go take a break, and that's when they remove it. But you just see folks struggling through with the masks. Um, yeah. We definitely ramped up. So we have masks on site if folks don't have one. I had to find the safest soap that's antibacterial but not going to hurt the farm. So we have that at the farm so folks can do that with our Castile good soap. Um, but, yeah, so just being able to – you know, still make ourselves available, but also just, you know, enhance the precautions on site. But we definitely, I think, we're probably a lot more lax than most spaces now. And I've I've kind of just been thinking of that. And I always tell folks, you know, however you're comfortable, if you'd like to come on site, cool. You know, if you feel yeah. at all, that's too much, please. You know, and then just letting folks know if you have any symptoms or you felt sick to stay home. Yeah. But it's hard, girl. It's so hard. It is. Yep. Yeah. 
what's great is I feel like when we did the initial, so this project is coming out of the webinar that we did in March, and we just didn't know anything then. We didn't know a thing. And so I feel like now there's so much evidence to suggest that when folks are outside, as long as they're keeping social distance and or wearing a mask or and staying home if they're not feeling well, there's pretty safe to be outside together is what I understand the most relevant research to be at this moment. Yeah, I was thinking that too. For me, it's like we're outdoors. I feel like we we have a better chance of not spreading by being out in, in spaces, yeah. you know? And yeah. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> me too. Um, going back to food access, you know, I often talk to folks and I'm like, we're at the beginning, we're really at the beginning of this moment. You know, the COVID is, there's so much that we don't know. And we're all starting to kind of normalize it a little bit. And I'm wondering, especially thinking about food access and making sure folks have healthy, nutritious food to be well, to boost their immune systems, to just, it's a basic human right. Everyone should have that. What do you, what are your thoughts? about the future and what we should be preparing for now, especially as farmers and food growers. Yes. (laughs) The future. So I'm seeing where the efficiency part um, is taking hold, which I have Mm. turned my back to it. I'm definitely into indigenous, holistic growing methods. But I've been approached by so many folks that are we have a farm bot are you sure you don't want to try to automate some stuff do you want to you know large piece of land where i know that individually it's so difficult i don't necessarily have the resources to go to go full horsepower for example so it would be awesome to kind of use some of these systems being in such a tech city hearing about Mm -hmm. amazon having the vertical gardens have you heard about them in auburn yeah is that where you were no (laughs) No, I don't. <laughs> but no. So they, um, they're out there. But I do. I have a farm in Auburn that's in collaboration with Living Well Kent. So they're the program. But um, they basically lease a big greenhouse and let other organizations and individuals grow in it. So in that greenhouse and on that land, we have about uh, about a half acre out there. So we have yeah. a lot of space. And, of course, great when I have hands on deck, but it would be awesome if I had a little farm bot that was running around doing stuff out there. <laughs> so I, I, I'm hearing where, you know, technology is definitely taking hold in the agriculture sector, and I'm seeing where, similar to other to other businesses, you know, yeah. once once you can automate something or bring AI into something, then, you know, where's where's the farmer after that? So... Even that, a friend of mine was at a grocery store, and I went through UCheck, and she was a check stand clerk, and she's like, you shouldn't use UCheck. You know that's taking our spot. I'm like, I hadn't even thought of that. So thinking about that, I definitely see where farming is going mm-hmm. into, like, the revolutionary, like, robot zone of artificial intelligence. Um, but I'm also seeing where a lot of farmers of color are being lifted up. And it's yeah. kind of going, farming's turning into a necessity from mm. this thing of like the niche veganism, you know, or this other thing. I think farming is turning into a household name. So 
So I'm seeing yeah. where more folks are doing the garden rooftop or the backyard mm-hmm. something or just growing in a window seal. So I'm seeing farming as more of like, you know, gardeners and farmers, I think, are becoming one, I guess, where mm-hmm. before, like I've been in conferences where people have just said straight up, I don't think, you know, urban urban growers, you're gardeners. And when you call yourself farmers, to me, it's strange. And these are monoculture farms, farmers yeah. that are like legacy farmers. I'm like, but yeah. you grow one thing for 50 acres. Like, that's not a farmer to me. Like, so to me, it's like, we have this thing yeah. going back and forth, but I'm realizing we're now even gardeners. I was all into flowers, yeah. but now folks are venturing into vegetables. Or even these monoculture farms are thinking, hey, I need to make this more sustainable. It doesn't really make sense for me to do it this way. So I'm also yeah. just seeing that evolution where that one I like a lot more. I think I'm more scared of the technology boom, which I'm just hoping we can keep up with it and there's somewhere for us. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm looking at different focuses of folks turning more towards the earth and, you know, loving it more than just it being a, a cash crop type of thing. Yeah, I've been thinking about that too. Um, I had a moment where I was in the field and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we don't grow chickens to feed people meat or we should grow more dry beans or we should be feeding people more than just vegetables yeah. and and do it in a way that's sustainable and do it in a way where we're creating more jobs rather than fewer jobs. Is that right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I know it's inevitable. Folks want things to be easy. They don't want to work hard, which a lot of my hard work, people realize, wow, that was fun. Or, wow, I just worked out and I didn't have to pay for that. So I think it's a reorganizing thought for sure. Um, But most people would rather pay to go to a gym than spend a couple hours in the farm for free. So I think it's just more folks out there, too. you got to realize that this work is actually love. You don't have to hate it. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you want to add to the conversation, especially to, you know, I feel like a lot of the audience are going to be farmers. I love what you, I love that you are inviting people to challenge their ideas about who is a farmer and who isn't. I, I think that's a really, I've also worked on urban farms. And felt like very belittled by. Yeah. I think one thing I would add that I like to just let folks know about, especially in our farm communities, that there are a lot of folks that right now, specifically in Washington State, so we do a lot of advocacy for folks that are in prison. And mm-hmm. right now, in most of our prisons, they have garden projects where Evergreen gets to go in and kind of teach you how to grow and garden. And then you get this activity when you're in prison only to have the food taken from you. And then the prison gets donated and get a write off. But the, the brothers and sisters that are growing it, they can't eat it. It's considered contraband and the prisons are actually processing food. So they order food, the folks can it, process it, and then they sell to themselves. So the idea is really not healthy food for the folks that are in prison, but more so let's get a write-off and do a good thing for the community. But then often, of course, that community isn't where the inmates are from. Um, So what we are doing is, one, trying to curve whatever the 
I guess, whatever the responsibilities are for these institutions. If you're supposed to house folks, don't you think they should be healthy? Do you think you could give them food that is, you know, a little bit better for their bodies, maybe reduce the medical bills that they're receiving? A lot of folks are having, like, bone deficiency or cancer or diabetes, and it's like we know that these are, you know, directly correlated to what they're eating. So if you guys mm. were giving them substance, perhaps that would be different. But also, these men are coming out extremely experienced in growing yeah. and then can't yeah. get a job or don't have an opportunity to volunteer at certain places because of the charge maybe that they received. So, like, landscaping jobs, school jobs, you know, they're totally off limits sometimes. So I think those moments are places where I would love to see the farm community kind of grab arms and say, hey, if this is going on in prison, you should be, you know, giving them healthy food or – CI, you guys can't contract yourselves to make the food. You should be buying from farmers that are in Skagit Valley or, you know, it should be more holistic in general. Um, a lot of these prisons, they're just getting away with murder, literally. And it's like, we care so much about our food systems here. We can't turn a blind eye to the systems that folks are subjected to, you know, involuntarily. But it's unfortunate that a lot of the food that they grow, literally, if they were to break off a piece of lettuce and eat it, they could get an infraction or be sent to the hole. So I think that is something that I would love to just get out to more folks. You know, look at the yeah. prison in the area. Um, just check on those food systems, too, because as farmers, it's like just because you have your freedom doesn't mean you get to be healthy. It's like everyone deserves to be healthy, period. Yeah, so Agreed. I just always encourage folks, especially if you're working on policy or you have folks mm. in high places or, I mean, if ever you even just, Take a walk over to your local prison and just say, hey, I've got produce. Would you be interested in buying or why don't you buy from locals? You know, those are those are definitely people that I think often don't get the scrutiny that we scrutinize at our schools and different, you know, universities um, divest. So it's like those folks need to also divest and figure out how they can better care for folks. I agree. And thank you so much for lifting that up no one I feel like that is not in the conversation at all in terms of like food access and who who gets to eat healthy food that I don't I hardly hear anybody ever talk about that yeah and it's because it's really fairly unknown even food banks it's like they have so much canned stuff we have to make sure they have fresh stuff it's like we're just perpetuating the same systemic oppression over and over so yeah I definitely try to listen up Anytime I can, they actually reached out to me. I had no idea up until last year, last May, actually. They heard about Nurturing Roots, and someone from a program that organizes in prison said, hey, could you come? They heard about your project, and they just want to share about theirs. And when I heard, it's like, what? So ever since, it's been a Young Farmers Coalition. Like, I've joined that board so that it's like, National Young Farmers, I'm going to try to figure out what policy we could work on. It's like, I had no interest in policy work, um, but I yeah. see where it falls, you know, where the policies yeah. land. So it's like, now that yeah. I see that, got to get in the policy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. You know, you and, and or maybe I should edit this part out, but you and Mel on the national board. Right. I love yeah. Mel. Yes. yes. So inspired good. by her. Yeah. I know. I know. You both inspire me so much and I am so looking forward to the future that you are leading us to 
To me, this is that real work. Even the commitment, of just being a farmer, like it's not glamorized. Our world does not look at us like, like I said, superheroes most often. So more yeah. power to you too for just doing this work, staying committed in it, doing so well. And yeah. I don't know, just connecting communities. I think that is the most impactful thing. Talking to folks today, paying it forward is the thing or bartering. That's the thing that we are losing out on. And that's the thing that made us as human beings just that much more valuable. Being able yeah. to resource with each other. Um, but yeah, so more power to you too. Awesome. Oh, that's so wonderful. Um, if folks want to learn, as we wrap up, if folks want to learn more about your project and your work and um, what you're up to, where can they go? So we are working on our website. Um, so for now, you can go to our Instagram, which is so strange if you don't have one, but Instagram at Nurturing Roots Farm. You also can go on Facebook. Our Facebook, you can just type in Nurturing Roots, but I think it's Nurturing Roots 206. Um, what else? But yes, we'll be launching a website soon. I'm just not sure if the, our domain is still, still ours, but um, just look on Instagram or Google Nurturing Roots. You can for sure find us. But and do you have any – oh, sorry. No worries. We're located on Beacon and Graham in Seattle um, at 6218 Beacon Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98108. <laughs> Great. And do you have any active fundraising apps at the moment? We do. So right now we have our cash app, and that's dollar sign Nurturing Roots Farm. And we have our PayPal account. And PayPal, you just type in our email. It's nurturingrootsinfo, I-N-F-O, at Gmail. Yay. Great. Well, thank you, Naima, so much for spending a moment with me. You are such a gift to our farming community and to your community that you serve. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for gratitude. Thank you. I appreciate you reaching out and sharing with everyone. I love it. Thanks Have again, Naima. Yeah, you Thank too. Bye. Bye-bye. folks who are listening it's elizabeth here and i am here with megan from pcc farmland trust who has very generously supported this podcast work to come to fruition and um megan is there anything that you'd like to share with folks who are listening yeah thanks so much elizabeth i'll tell you a little bit about us and our work PCC Farmland Trust is a nonprofit land trust working to protect and steward threatened farmland in Washington. We aim to keep land in production by making it accessible to future generations of farmers. Investing in local farmland means healthy food for our children, thriving rural economies, and fertile, productive soil. In other words, farms impact all of us and make our communities better places to live, work, and play. As our region faces the challenges of inequitable land access, prohibitive land prices, and a changing climate, we are working to create a more resilient and equitable future for farming in Washington. You can learn more at pccfarmlandtrust.org. Wow. Thank you. 
Thank you, Megan, for all the work that you do. And thank you also for your support. For folks who don't know, the PCC Farmland Trust has been um, incredibly supportive of our chapter of the National Young Farmers Coalition, the Washington Young Farmers Coalition. And just want to thank you so much for putting resources behind farmer leadership. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Happy to support the work that you all are doing. All right, that is our show. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and we'll be back next week with another Way FC interview with farmers Miles Griffin and Amanda Doty and a discussion about loneliness, isolation, and the mental health challenges farmers face in even the best seasons. To make sure not to miss this and future episodes of the show, please subscribe. And we love to read your reviews and comments in iTunes. If you want to support our Washington chapter and our 45 other farmer-led chapters across the country, and to make sure that young farmers and ranchers, farmers of color, and farm workers are included in farm policy, please become a member today at youngfarmers.org join. And join our advocacy network by texting FARMERS to 40649. Stay safe out there, everybody, and we'll see you next week.